Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much um, for being able to say it is well with my soul. That is just an amazing thing to be able to say. That no matter what happens, I know my soul belongs to God. The Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross has, has bought me and made me pure and made me whole. I know we take that for granted. I know I take it for granted so often, but I do want to say thank you that I can say it is well with my soul. Thank you for the band, Lord, who who comes here and practices and plays for you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that that I ask to just uh, just fill this place, Lord, and just let us feel and know you're there, Lord. By the end of this, let us just say, surely the presence of the Lord was in that place. Use me, Lord, your servant, as I'm not feeling well, but Lord, when Bible says when I'm weak that you're strong. So I just pray that uh, all the words will be yours and that all that you would have said be said and that we'll leave change, Lord, that you will truly open our eyes so we can see and our ears so we can hear and our minds so we can understand and our hearts so we can fall crazy in love with you, Lord. There's no one like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so as I was going over this, again, I was thinking, uh, you know, I, I need two more Sundays for this. I said, but I'm kind of going to be out for a couple of weeks, and I don't want to come back and finish it. And so um, my way of dealing with it is I'm going to end it today, and I just left my notes at the house, no notes. <laughs> and so I'm just like, well, Lord, whatever you want me to remember about this, just let it come to mind. So we'll see how this goes, because I'm a note kind of preacher. So anyway, last week I, I, I left off with uh, just saying, man, go spy out the land. You know, we should have, you know, 49 days till we enter our land and, you know, find out what it is that you may want to go over there and do and serve. Uh, I didn't, um, you know, I hope I didn't come across as like we're desperate for volunteers or anything like that because the Lord has provided everything we've needed since I've been here. There's been somebody to do and fulfill everything that, that, that we need done. And so uh, I just want, like, like, that, um, like the slide you got up there, go back to what you had up there, the uh, Pursue God. Um, yeah, I mean, if you don't know what this means, this is kind of the logo, this, this is the mission statement of our, of our church. You know, the arrows mean that we pursue God. That's the first thing that we do. That's the first thing we preach here. And if you pursue God, then you will fall in love with God. And if you fall in love with God, you will want to serve him. You will want to find a place in this local church. We're a community church to reach this community. I mean, that's what we need to be all about. We want to serve God. And it doesn't have to be, you know, everybody kind of seems uh, the worst thing I think we've done in Christianity is make preachers and worship leaders rock stars. And we've even, you know, kind of given it this whole like real concert feel and you know and I, I just I don't think that's that's the best thing we've ever done because you know people want these out front positions and it's like well if that's if I can do that then 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 I'll serve but but I read a story about Corey Ten Boom uh, after the she survived the Holocaust and everything and of course when she survived and everybody wanted to see her speak she would go and she started finding just these massive crowds in these huge auditoriums and she knew they were there to see her and the first thing she would do 
And she brought her own cleaning materials and she found the bathroom and she scrubbed those toilets and she scrubbed all around them. And she prayed the whole time, Lord, will you keep your servant humble? And so that kind of stuff, you know, that I'll do, I'll take the least of the positions. See, and the Lord's always done that. At the time when I thought I wanted the big, huge stuff, he didn't give it to me. I had to be content with the small stuff. And then finally, I'm like, Lord, you're in all this small stuff. I don't need the big stuff. But then he said, well, fine, here's the big stuff. Now I want you to go. It's just, just, the, just the way he is. So I want you guys to fall into this process. You know, if you don't want to serve, well, then you are poor in spirit. And that sounds like a bad thing, but the Bible says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God, the the kingdom of heaven. So if you're poor in spirit, you say, God, I don't really have a desire to serve you. Well, here's your, you, you pursue God. Go after him. He will give you a heart that falls in love with him and he will give you a heart to want to serve. It comes from him, not just your, well, I guess I'll try. It's like, no, I want to serve. God and we in 49 days hopefully we'll be over here and we're going to start a brand new um, church you know we're going to have our own place to go to and really try to reach this community so and when it left off last time Moses sent the leaders okay he found 12 leaders and said go spy out the land okay so we're going to pick up um, the way of the mighty part four next scripture here we go now they departed, okay? They departed and they, they felt, they, they spied out the land, okay? They went about 12 miles a day, walked up, spied out the land, and walked back. It took about 40 days for them to cover all that land. They departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Okay, Remember, they, they were carrying that thing, that cluster of grapes you know, on a, on a pole, two of them. Then they told to him and said, we went to the land where you sent us, okay? You chose us as leaders, we took off, and we went to the land where you sent us. And what you said about it, it flows with milk and honey, uh, which just means it's an exceedingly good land. And this is its fruit, okay? It truly does. Now, I got to thinking about that. You know, that was like the first test that they knew where God, you know, was spoke the truth. Because, you know, they had only been in Egypt and they had only been in the desert. And so here's God saying, I'm going to lead you to this good land. So in the back of their minds, they had to wonder, is it really going to be good land? So when they went and they found out it was amazing land, well, that's the first thing that, look, God is truthful. He tells the truth and he can be trusted. But here's what they said, nevertheless, okay, now keep in mind right here that these leaders are talking amongst leaders, and I want you to notice their, their language and how, how kind of careful they are. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, okay, there's some really strong people in the land, which means, you know, they, they, they don't think of themselves as strong. The cities are fortified, they do have these walls, and they're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Okay, now, anytime you see the descendants of Anak, you need to be thinking David and Goliath, the, the giants, you know, the, the nine-footers, all that stuff. 
And then they start talking about all the people. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. Okay, these are all people who kill you, okay? And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Okay, so they go and they say, look, man, these are some, some, some powerful dudes that live there. When, then Caleb, okay, Caleb, one of the leaders, he sees where this is going. He sees like, whoa, he's, I'm going to stop this right here. He quieted the people. I listen, y'all hush. I know where y'all are going with this. And he said, let us go up at once. We don't need to sit here and keep thinking about all this and talking about all that's wrong. He said, here, we need to go up at once right now and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Okay, Caleb's keeping in mind all the miracles, all the stuff that he's already seen in the desert and all that kind of stuff. But the men who had gone up with him, okay, these are still leaders, they said, we're not able to go up against the people. Okay, here's Caleb saying, we are able. And here's 10 other people saying, nope, we're not able. For they are stronger than we, okay? Which just has insult God like crazy. Because like, I've been with you all along. You are infinitely more powerful than any of those. And they gave the children of Israel, okay? Now, here's where they switched. They're no longer talking amongst leaders, okay? They were really careful about their language while Moses and Aaron and all the leaders were there. But now... They're talking to the people. They're going out into the crowd. These are leaders who are supposed to be together. You know, that you, that we've learned this as a leadership here, that, that the five of us better, better be solid uh, on, on whatever it is that we're talking about. You know, I've even told them when I first got there, listen, we need to be able to come in here and be completely honest. You need to let me say whatever's on my heart, even if it is completely stupid. And if the four of you guys say that's just wrong, I'm going to accept it and say, well, thank you, Lord, that I got these guys here to keep me in check. Leaders, especially on a leadership team, have to be unified or or it's gonna show up in the people okay so these guys attitudes and leaders you know they were kind of careful about their language but when they go out amongst the children of Israel they give a bad report of the land which they spied out and here's what they said the land through which we have gone as spies now remember he said the land's a good land to the leaders right but the first thing he tells the people is the land which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. They didn't watch anybody be devoured. They went and they spied out and they saw the people. But, but that's a lie. That is not true. But they go out to the people, these leaders. See how they're talking one way in the leadership meeting, but yet another way out in the people? It's, it devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Okay, they're not the descendants of Anak. They didn't, he didn't keep it, you know, just kind of real where you had to kind of figure it out. They're just saying it plain out. There we saw the giants. Okay, and then just in parentheses, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. But, you know, they didn't say, he didn't say the descendants of Anak were there and have somebody say, well, who are the descendants of Anak? He didn't give them that option. They just said, there's giants there. And the land, it devours people. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. 
See, they didn't talk like they did amongst the leaders. They went out there and they talked in a way as to put fear in the people. These are just people standing saying, well, I wonder, I can't wait till we take the land. Some of them are thinking that. Some of them might be nervous, some of them. But the leaders went back and gave this report. And what happened? Let's go on to the next one. And well, first, first um, those giants kept some of them from wanting to go in to the land. And, and you know, four weeks ago, I talked about these, these giants. You know, when you, when you go into any kind of ministry or anything, you know, there, there's always these excuses to why we can't, okay? And these are the ones I've thought of, and these are the ones that I've heard over time. And so I'm just kind of going to go back over them real quick. Today, it's not these 10-foot men over there that devours us. It's I don't have time. Giving of my time. Okay? And listen, when I thought about being a pastor of Lifeline Community Church, I, I understand, man. I mean, I mean, I'm still a school teacher. I'm still a husband. I'm still a dad. I still got others. Do I really have, have time to do this? And I could have certainly said that, and everybody would have understood. You're right. You don't have time insecurity. I don't know if I can. Lord, I know I could probably do about 10 sermons right now, but you're asking me to do this over the long run. 10 sermons is only uh, two months and a half. How am I going to insecure? I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm capable. You know, I'm like a grasshopper. I just, I can't, this is too big for me. Or apathy. I'm lazy and I just don't, I just don't feel like it. You know, I don't think I can talk about God. I don't think I can talk about the Bible. I don't, I don't think I know enough about it to tell people. And here's kind of the thing. You talk to people, I've talked to people before, and I just think they're the quietest people in the world. They never have anything to say. You know, and I might kind of wonder about their intelligence or something. And then all of a sudden, you hit a subject that they love, like hunting. And now all of a sudden, they, man, they open up and they know absolutely everything about it. Can tell you everything. Rebuilding cars, man, they can tell you everything about rebuilding cars. And it's just, it's just amazing. They open up. So, you know, most of the time if we say, well, I can't teach. Well, I wonder how much time do you spend in this word? Do you love it? Are you passionate about it? Because if you love it, you're going to be able to talk about it. So is it that apathy? I just don't feel like and I'm too lazy and like playing on Facebook a lot more than I like reading my Bible. Apathy. Neediness. You know, always needing somebody to say, well, you're doing a good job and you're doing it right. And as soon as somebody tells you you're not, you remember that, you get offended, you quit, all that kind of thing. T, taking responsibility. I just don't want to be responsible for the ship. You know, I don't want, I just don't want that kind of responsibility. And it all ultimately comes down to selfishness. I like my time and I want to do with my time what I want. These are giants, I think, that keep people from going in to ministry because we've all been called to go in to ministry in some way and at least you know, point people in the direction of God. Okay, so now back to the story. They just told these people. This, this horrendous report, okay? And they, they, told, they talked about it way different among the leaders than they did out in the people. They thought almost like they wanted to stir dissension or, or, or you know, fear amongst the people. 
So all the people, the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. Here we are. We've been, we've been walking across this desert for two years. And God says he's going to give us this land. And our leaders come back and they say that, that it's, the land's going to devour us. They say that we can't take it. I mean, of course, that's what they did. They lifted up their voice and they cried because the leaders weren't encouraging them. The, the leaders were discouraging them. And they're like, they have to be thinking, what did we come all this way for? And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Not the ten guys who were sent by Moses and Aaron. They complained. They just went straight to the top. Moses, Aaron, it's your fault. And the whole congregation said to Moses and Aaron, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. I cannot tell you how hurt I would be if I had led somebody to the Lord and salvation and a couple years later they come back and said, Adam, I was way better off when I was a slave to my sin. I was better off. I can't imagine how this hurt his heart to hear them say that. We would have been better off if we had died as slaves back in Egypt. That's the result of these leaders' report. Go on to the next one. It gets worse. Or if we had only died in the wilderness, when we were wandering around out there in the desert, we'd have been better off if we had died right there. And then they start to presume upon the Lord. They start to say things that he has never even once given an indication of saying. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword. He brought us here so we could be stabbed by these guys and that our wives and children should become victims. He brought us here basically for our children to be sacrificed. And they're, they're presuming all of this upon the Lord all because of a bad report amongst the leaders. You have got to go and read the book of Joshua and see how he contrasts this. Because when they started to go and take those walls of Jericho over and over, he kept saying, you be silent. You do not open your mouths. I don't care what you're thinking, but it better not come out your mouths. You be silent. He took the complete opposite approach and said, you do not say a word. We're going to obey what God says to do, and we're either going to live by it or we're going to die by it. But either way, we're doing this right. I am not repeating this junk that I saw 40 years ago. Okay? So, next verse. Would it be better for us to return to Egypt? Yeah, let's just go back to where we were slaves and beaten and did all of their work. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Look, one of us who just is going to go ahead and accept that sin, that slavery back in Egypt. Let's go back and let's get them to actually lead us. Back there. Unbelievable. Okay, so the next one. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. I loved his response. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to convince, convince them. All he did is they just fell on their faces before the Lord. Okay, now, God in his mercy 
is going to give them another chance. Look what happened. As soon as he started praying, as soon as they started saying, God, I don't know what to do. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, now two of them together, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, which just is a symbol back then of great, great distress. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Okay, So they're going to give them the opposite voice right here. The land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good. Do you remember when we were talking about this, how great the land is? Guess what? It's true. It's not a land that devours. You don't listen to these guys. It's a good land. It's exactly what God said it was. It's exactly all that. It's an exceedingly good land. So next verse. If the Lord delights in us, if he's pleased with us, if we honor him in all of our ways, then he will bring us into the land. And he'll give it to us just like he promised. A land which flows with milk and honey, an exceedingly good land. It is what he said it is. And if if he delights in us, he'll give it to us. He'll do exactly what he said he would do. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And guys, listen, saying you can't do something that he says you can, I mean, it's rebellion. And, and, the, and rebellion is as the sin of re- witchcraft, is what the Bible says. Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Don't be afraid. For they are our bread. We can devour them. If they could have only understood all those people in the land had heard the stories. They had heard the stories of, of man, these guys, all this, these plagues were put on Egypt. Ten plagues. And like, they, they had them surrounded. They were coming to get them, but, but the Red Sea just parted so these guys could go through. Whoever their God is, he protects them and he's for them and he devours their enemies. Everybody in the land, including those giants, were afraid, not of the people, but of the God of their people because they've heard what he's done. They were afraid. They had them right where they wanted them at this point in this story. Their protection has departed from them. They have no protection. And the Lord, he's with us. Do not Fear them. What a great message to hear when you're afraid. He's with us. So God in his mercy sent them and he gives the people another chance to respond. And what do they say? All the congregation said to stone them with stones. They ignored the word of the Lord and they were ready to take it a step further. Let's kill Let's kill Caleb and Joshua. They need to die. They spoke truth, and the congregation was ready to kill them. Sound like anybody we know in the New Testament? The Lord Jesus, he spoke truth, and he he did all these miracles, and they said, that guy needs to die. Amazing. So they set to stone them with stones. God, he's kind of let everybody do their own thing up until now, but now... The glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meetings before all the children of Israel. You know, I saw one of them big old signs one time. It said, don't make me come down there, God. And like, okay, they made him come down here. 
So here it is. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? Okay? All they're saying is that they can't do what he said that, that he said that he said they could do. And he looks at that as flat out rejection. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them, parting the Red Sea, bringing water out of the rocks, putting bread on the ground, and just every morning. I mean, what else could he have done for them? He said, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. Now Moses, as he hears that, he's probably thinking that God's thanking every single one of them. But I want you to know that the justice and righteousness of God is perfect. He gives each individual exactly what they deserve. He, he's a just God. So I know Moses is reading this because I used to think that Moses actually changed God's mind by saying what he says after this. But he did no such thing. He prayed God's will and we'll see that in just a minute. I will strike them with the pestilence, which is the plague, um, and disinherit them. And I will make of you, Moses, a nation greater and mightier than they. Okay, next slide. And Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians are going to hear it. For by your might you brought these people up from among them. And they'll tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They've heard of you, Lord. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people. Which is why they were afraid. But the people didn't care that they were afraid. They only cared about the size of them. So they've heard. That you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. They know these things, God. They know how powerful you They know how you, you are seen, God. They know the visible qualities of you, because they're gods. They're useless gods. They, they don't show up. They talk to them, but they don't talk back. They show no signs. They show no wonders. But you, God, you are the God. Who of light. You are the God who shows up. You are amazing God. You show up for us. Now if you ill these people as one man. Okay, he's thinking if you, if you lump them all as one person and destroy them all. That, that wouldn't be like you God. Then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak saying. Okay, everybody else is going to say. Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. They're going to say, it's not really an indictment against us, Lord. It's going to be an indictment against you because, you know, you couldn't do what you said you would do with these people. He killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long-suffering, he's patient and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. One more time, Lord, will you forgive. But he by no means clears the guilty. Visiting the iniquity or the sin of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Continue to show that mercy. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned. Okay, I have, I've already decided. My, my justice is perfect. According to your word, you prayed my will. But truly... 
As I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. This is going to happen because, because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times. Now, I didn't go back and count them, but I'm thinking I'm going to do that and see how many times he did. You know, from, and that's probably, it's obviously not even counting the plagues. That's since he brought them out. So, you know, I definitely want to check that out. The ten times and have not heeded my voice. Okay, I've done all this stuff for them and they just keep denying me and denying me. They certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and he followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants are going to inherit it. Because that guy was able to stand up when nobody else was. I'm going to give him everything his heart desired. And his family are going to be better off for it because they're going to inherit that land. Now, though, okay, the fear has been lifted from these people. The Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Now, okay, they, they fear you no longer. My hand of protection has been lifted. Tomorrow, turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Okay? He's going to give the people exactly what they wanted, what they want. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? And he's going to answer his own question. I've heard the complaints with the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, okay, so I'm going to do to you. Be very, very careful when you're afraid, when you're upset, when you're angry, what you let come out of your mouth because you just may get exactly what you want. Okay? The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. So those of you who said, we'd have been better off dying in the wilderness, you're going to get exactly what you want. The carcasses of you who have complained against me are going to fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years and above, okay, if you're 20 years old and above, you complained against me, you're not entering it. You're going right back into the wilderness and your carcass will be buried there in the wilderness somewhere. Except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. These are the only two from 20 years and above I'm going to let live. So what another sign from the Lord that they're, they're going to say, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, okay? Why, God, did you bring for our wives and for our little ones to come out here and be destroyed? Well, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Your little ones, whom you said would be victims, here's what I'm going to do. I'll bring them in. I'm going to bring them in. And they shall know the land which you have despised. I don't need you to help bring your children into the land. I'll do it by myself. So, as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 
years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. He is very adamant on this carcass as being consumed. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years. And you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Guys, he's, his punishment is exactly what they said they wanted. You know, I couldn't help but think about the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You know, even in hell, one of the first things he does is order Lazarus around. Abraham, send Lazarus to go dip his finger in tongue so he can serve me and make me feel better. He's exactly in hell the way that he was on earth. He hasn't changed. You know, people say, well, I want to go, I want to, go to heaven and I don't want to go to hell. God gives you exactly what you want. If you wanted a life here apart from him and his what you would call oppressive rules, well, then when you die, there is a place that is absent of him and his oppressive rules, but you don't get any of the goodness of God. You know, that tongue that you use to, to break down people and to hate and to say stuff and to manipulate people. You know, you don't get to use it here anymore. The breath that he put in your lungs to honor him, but you said no, well then there's a place where he is not. And you get to live for eternity receiving exactly what you wanted in life. A life apart from him and his rules and his son and his salvation and his Holy Spirit, that's where you go. It's perfect justice. Now the men whom sent Moses to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men, the ten guys who brought the bad report, who brought the evil report to the land, died by the plague right there before the Lord. Perfect justice. Why the plague? Why did you do that to them, Lord? Well, let me tell you. Because the whole congregation was fine. They were ready to receive leadership and do what it took to inherit the promised land. But these men went back there and they started with this negative talk. And guess what it did? It spread throughout my whole congregation. And it killed them. It killed my dream for them. So you know what I'm going to do to them? I'm going to have some bug or some mosquito. I'm going to bite them and it's going to put a bacteria in them and it's going to slowly spread and I'm going to wrap it and it's going to infect their whole body. I'm going to do to them exactly what they did to my people. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive. So they had to know right then, look, the ten guys who said bad stuff are dead. But these two guys who believed and trusted in God, look, they still stand. What a sign right there from God. Of the men who went to spy out the land, those were the only ones who lived. Guys, and that's all I got, right? That's good, because it's 11 of 5, but... 
But guys, you just you just think about this, guys. When as we as we seek to serve the Lord, and if you are ever going to hit any kind of minister or any kind of leadership position, you got to trust in the Lord. Trust that He is with you, and that He can accomplish everything that He says in this Word. That He can accomplish through you. All you have to do is believe and trust. Trust and obey for there is no other way. Trust that what he says about you is true. And to the best of your ability, obey what he says and always believe the best about God. That he will do what he said he will do. So I'm going to end with this little story. Let me blow my nose first because I'm going to have to do the voices, you know. Um, I was reading The uh, Magician's Nephew, uh, the first book in the Chronicles of Narnia. And I just happened to come across this week just the perfect little, um, little example of what God expects of anybody who takes any kind of position of leadership. Okay, And so, you know, in the first book, you know, they, they have these rings that get to this world and uh, Diggory rings this bell that he knows he shouldn't have rung, but it awakens the white witch. And then he takes the white witch, and she she makes it into this world. And so um, it ends up that, that her and his uncle and this cabbie, um, this cab driver ends up being taken back into Narnia right when Aslan is creating the world. I mean, they get to see the creation of the world. And... Um, you know, Aslan tells him, you know, you brought the evil here. And, you know, Diggory's like, you, you know, right, you're right. I got no, I've got no excuse. And so he tells, Aslan turns and he tells the cabbie and his wife that they're going to be the king and queen of Narnia. The first king and queen of Narnia. And so, here it is. My children, said Aslan, fixing his eyes on both of them. You are to be the first king and queen of Narnia. The cabbie opened his mouth in astonishment, and his wife turned very red. You shall rule and name all these creatures, and do justice among them, and protect them from their enemies when enemies arise, and enemies will arise. For there is an evil witch in this world. The cabbie swallowed hard two or three times and cleared his throat. Begging your pardon, sir, he said, and thanking you very much, I'm sure, which my missus does the same. But I ain't no sort of chap for a job like that. I never had much education, you see. Well, said Aslan, can you use a spade and a plow and raise food out of the earth? Yes, sir. I could do a bit of that sort of work, being brought up to it like. Can you rule these creatures kindly and fairly, remembering that they are not slaves like the dumb beasts of the world you were born in? but talking beasts and free subjects. I say that, sir. I'd try to do the square thing by them all. And would you bring up your children and grandchildren to do the same? It'd be up to me to try, sir. I'd do my best, wouldn't we, Nellie? And you wouldn't have favorites either among your own children or among the creatures or let any hold another under or use it hardly. I never could abide such going on, sir, and that's the truth. I'd give them what for if I caught them at it, said the cabbie. Um, 
And if enemies came against the land, for enemies will arise, and there was a war, would you be the first in the charge and the last in the retreat? Well, sir, said the cabbie very slowly, a chap don't exactly know what till he's been tried. I dare say I might turn out ever such a softin. Never did no fighting except with me fists. I'd try, that is. I hope I'd try to do my bit. Then, said Asland, you will have done all that a king should do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much just for this word. For I pray, Lord, that it's landed on the hearts of your people, Lord, and that we know that if we hear any voice, any voice, whether it comes from a leader or from anybody that says we can't, when your word says we can, may we reject that voice so quickly. I pray for myself as a leader, Lord, that you will help me to always trust in you and always trust in your word. And even if everything looks impossible, that I will say absolutely nothing is impossible with my Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen.